Hey, Kevin, someone put a post-it on my monitor and it has numbers on it. What do I do? Oh, what number are those? Well, there's the numbers two, three, and eight. Well, Isaiah, I mean, two plus three plus eight is 13. So it's not divisible by three. Therefore, 238 is not either. Sorry, that's not quite what I meant. It's actually two to the power 38. Oh, oh, well, that's easy too. I mean, it's two times two times two times two times two. Want to hear more? This is Python Out Loud, episode two, Python Powered, recorded on April 2nd, 2018 at 12 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. Two hundred and seventy-four billion eight hundred and seventy-seven million nine hundred and six thousand nine hundred and forty-four. Not bad for one take, eh? Hi, everyone. Greetings and welcome to Python Out Loud, a podcasted journey from learner to developer. Today, we start by playing with a calculator. My goodness, Kevin! I remember that I memorized powers of two when I was a kid, but I don't think I ever got quite that high. Yeah, well, I don't always like math, but when I do, I have my moments. And I don't always like stats, but when I do, I have to ask whether that's your first moment or deviate and ask if it's your second. Hey, Isaiah, don't be so mean. Well, anyways, how did you come across Python Challenging? I'm actually surprised because it harkens back to the days of GeoCities. Yeah, great question. I remember reading the Python subreddit maybe a couple years ago, and someone suggested pythonchallenge.com as a great way to learn Python standard library. Were there other websites too? Yeah, well, certainly some of the standard suggestions, like projectoiler.net, which is a series of more math-heavy puzzles. But the Python challenges were different somehow. Well, yeah. Despite the website having been built in something like 2005 and showing its age, I thought it looked like fun. There were fewer problems to solve. There were just like 33 problems for the Python challenge, whereas there were like hundreds for Project Euler. I like it better, too, because it doesn't just emphasize math like Project Euler, but there's more puzzles and riddles that involve creative thinking. Yeah, definitely. And the Python challenge puzzles even begin to tell a story once you get far enough along. There's definitely a lot going on. Well, as the saying goes, I guess, when in Rome, don't judge a website by its homepage. Right. Or the assumed version of Python for solving its puzzles. Oh, right, because the site was made before Python 3, so the puzzles were really written for Python 2. Very true. But they can still all be solved with uh, Python 3, or modern Python, as I think we should call it. But sometimes the problems do need a bit of tweaking, as I'm sure we'll discuss. And if you check the Python challenge forums, you can see that a lot of people are still actively working on the challenges. So they can't all be Python 2 users. Certainly not. Well, with that, let's go ahead with our first challenge. I think you mean zero challenge. All right, Kevin. So I just visited pythonchallenge.com, and I've clicked the link that says, click here to get challenged. And what do you see? Same thing as at the start of our episode. A picture of a very old computer monitor with a post-it on it, and the post-it reads 2 to the power 38. There's also some text below the photo reading, hint, try to change the URL address. Yep, and you would replace 0 with the answer to 2 to the power of 38 to continue. The first one is not much of a challenge, actually. 
I guess it depends on how you would calculate 2 to the 38. Unlike you, I don't think I could do it in my head. And if I tried doing it by hand, I'm sure I'd just make a mistake somewhere along the way. Yes, well, you know, as Julius Caesar once famously said, there's more than one way to shave a beard. Shave a beard? Is that another one of your when in Rome sayings? Oh, it's not mine. It's one of his more obscure quotes. Julius Caesar strikes again. Well, I'm sure you found his blog post on the internet, so it must be true. Well, anyways, back to the problem. Since 2 to the power 38 is is a math problem, actually, the operator for that in Python is just two asterisks. So you would just type 2 star star 38. Sure, and that's great shorthand in Python, but I personally don't find it intuitive. Do you? Really? Why is that? Well, I mean, sure, a single asterisk by itself, I understand that means multiplication. But why two asterisks in a row to mean exponentiation? Well, maybe because exponents are just repeated multiplication. Well, sure, as long as the exponent is an integer. Yeah, so 2 star star 38 is just the same as 2 stars 2 star 2 and so on 38 times. Right, but I have to admit it's much more intuitive to me, at least, to use a caret, you know, an upside down V, to mean exponentiation. The carrot even looks kind of like an upward-pointed arrow, as if to say the thing coming after it should be higher, like the way we usually write exponents in mathematics. I think we're all used to using a carrot for exponents on a scientific calculator. And for those of us who studied French, my teacher used to call that a little chapeau, or a hat. Right, or I guess a circumflex for English speakers. But uh, maybe it's just ingrained in me from years of using LaTeX, the mathematical typesetting language that I just can't help but write 2 carat 38 to mean 2 to the 38th power. And it's also the notation I'd use in the language like R, where you can use either actually star star or a carat to mean exponents. You can also type 2 carat 38 in Python. It's just you won't get exactly what you think you will. Hey, I just typed it in my computer now and I ran it. 2 carat 38 is giving me 36. Is that right? Or is that a bug? Well, it's actually not a bug. It's a feature. In Python, 2 caret 38 actually means 2 bitwise or 38, which is 36. What? What? XOR? You mean XOR? Is that one of your weird Marvel references again? Sadly, no. XOR means exclusive or, and bitwise exclusive or is actually a fundamental operation on binary representations of integers, as opposed to inclusive or. Oh, right. Yeah. Inclusive or. It's like if you say you can have fried chicken or lasagna, you're allowed to actually have both. Yay. Right. Whereas exclusive or is actually what some mathematicians like to call the dessert before bedtime rule. As in, if your mother tells you you can have a cookie or a brownie before bed, it's assumed you can't have both. Wow, that's an awesome mom if you're allowed sweets before bedtime. Yes. But what's also funny is that the caret is used to actually mean and in symbolic logic, even though it's a form of or in Python. Well, so why would a caret be used to mean exclusive or in Python? Yeah, that's a great question. I was wondering the same thing, so I did some digging. Apparently, caret was used to mean bitwise exclusive or originally in the C programming language, and Python is based on C. And in a Stack Exchange thread that I found, Someone actually wrote Ken Thompson, one of the creators of C, and asked him about the caret. Ken Thompson wrote back saying that it was just a random choice of the characters left at the time. Well, let's put a link to that in our show notes. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, perhaps ironically, C doesn't even have an operator for exponentiation. 
It just has a pow function, which is used to compute exponents. Uh, that's probably why Python has a pow function, which does the same thing as a double asterisk. But if C doesn't have the double asterisk operator, where did Python get it from? Yeah, that's a great question. So the same Stack Exchange thread that I found explains that double asterisk comes from Fortran of all places. And it actually predates carrots even being available on keyboards. Well, that makes sense. Given Fortran's role in scientific programming, you would definitely need a good shorthand for exponents. Right. As opposed to C, which is a fairly low-level language, where you would definitely want a good shorthand for fundamental hardware operations, like bitwise exclusive OR, which is really important for things like defining addition at the hardware level. So C only has a PAL function, Fortran has a double asterisk, and Python has both because it's based on C, but is in a low-level language. Yeah, that makes sense to me. But really, double asterisk is just syntactic sugar. It's a shorthand for calling Python's built-in PAL function. But what about the PAL function in the math module? Well, I guess when you're in Rome, there really are many ways to shave a beard. But I think the PAL function in the math library is actually quite a bit different, since it treats both arguments as floating-point numbers, and it doesn't even return an integer result. Oh, I see. The math module seems to have everything you need to create a scientific calculator in Python. But it's weird that the built-in PAL function would be so different from the math.pal. That's not obvious neither. Right. And math.pal is also a lot faster because it doesn't have to return an exact answer if the numbers get too big, which is okay when you're doing scientific programming. We should include a link in the show notes to the episode 2 teaser blog post I wrote explaining why. My goodness, there are so many ways to calculate exponents. Yeah, you know, and now that I think about it, if you got the reduce function from the func tools module and the mole function from the operator module, you could compute 2 to the 30th power by applying reduce to the mole function together with a list of what? 38 twos. Right, many 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 ways. Oh, and even more simply, since we're looking for a power of 2, you could just do a right shift 38 times. So 2 to the 38th is just one left angle brace, left angle brace 38. Hmm, to quote Hamlet, you know, brevity is the soul of wit. Yeah, sorry, I couldn't help it. With great power comes great responsibility to make sure you exhaust all the possible ways of calculating it. Thanks, Batman. <laughs> Wrong reference, Kevin. But I'm sure Spider-Man would give you two stars for effort. And it's also funny because Excelsior comes from the Latin meaning ever upward, just like an exponent. Mm, that's a bad joke, but two stars for you as well. And I guess that's why carrots are bad for Python programmers. So Kevin, what if I told you everything we've been discussing so far is pure magic? Magic as in magic methods? Yeah, exactly. So as it turns out, there's the double asterisk that we've talked about. There's also the built-in PAL function. But the idea is that both is their underlying mechanism are actually all about dunder pow. Oh, dunder pow pow, dunder pow pow. There you go. You're definitely referencing Adam West Batman. Not quite. Dunder pow as in underscore underscore pow underscore underscore, right? We're using dunder to mean put two underscores on both sides of something which is a standard thing to do in Python. Right, and so you're saying that the built-in integer type in Python has a dunderpow method? 
which is invoked when we write pow bracket 2 comma 38 closing bracket? More or less. But the beauty of knowing about Dunder Pow is that if we could overwrite it, we could change how Python does exponentiation. For example, we could make two asterisks in a row have the same effect as a single asterisk and have the Python interpreter assume that we're just really excited to multiply. So you could do the same thing for 2 caret 38, changing the behavior of the caret to mean exponents? Exactly. It's just that for the caret operator, you need to change the behavior of the Dunder XOR magic method. But you can't just change built-in types in Python, can you? Well, not directly, but you can subclass a built-in type and then swap it out for your subclass. Oh, I see. So since built-in types like int are just classes, we can create a new class, inheriting it from int, and override whatever we want to change? Exactly. And I'm telling you, it couldn't be simpler. As I show in the episode 2 teaser blog post that I wrote, and again, we'll include the link in our show notes. Built-in types are implemented in C, aren't they? So wouldn't swapping out a pure Python implementation be really slow? It would be slow, sure, but where's your geek pride? The point is that it can be done. Python can be taught to use the caret to mean exponentiation. It's like that old saying, everything is negotiable. You know, after all this, I'm inclined to just negotiate with my smartphone. Okay, Google, what's 2 to the power of 38? But that's not fair. You shouldn't mention a corporation's name unless they're sponsoring us. Ha, <laughs> like they'd be better than our current sponsors. Sponsors? Whose names are you planning to drop now? Well, let's find out. This is commercial. Take one. Hey, Kevin, what's with the music? That's not our theme song. No, it's our commercial theme. Did we pick up a corporate overlord while I wasn't looking? No, because Python Out Loud is brought to you by you. By me? No, no, no. By you, as in our listeners. And how can our listeners help support us? Well, definitely first by continuing to listen, but then to also tell your friends and your coworkers and your loved ones about the show. And if they want to level up their support? Then they can go to pythonoutloud.com slash donate to support us on Patreon. Or they can just leave us a review on iTunes or wherever they get their podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. We want Python Out Loud to be community-driven and nonprofit-oriented, which is why we pledge to be transparent and donate anything in excess of our operating expenses to the Python Software Foundation. Yes, please help us make the first trans-Pacific Python podcast successful. So, hey, Kevin, I have some trivia for you. You know the colors in the Python logo? You mean the blue and yellow? Yeah, exactly. They actually come from the movie Monty Python and the Holy Grail. There's a scene where Sir Galahad is talking to a bridge keeper, and he's asked his favorite color. He first replies blue, but then he changes his mind, and he says yellow. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm probably one of those rare Python users who don't know or have actually any Monty Python background. Well, that's too bad, because you're missing out on Sir Galahad dying, because he changes his mind. I guess that's what he gets for copying Sir Lancelot's favorite color. Huh, that's a bit morbid, but interesting, I guess. It's also more interesting that even the logo ties back to Monte Python somehow. But speaking of trivia, I am sad to say that no one has won our silent contest yet. Oh, right. You mean the contest we hid in our episode one postscript show notes? Yeah, that's the one. We did have one entry, though. It was pretty close, but between you, me, and Ed Roslanoid, I'm not sure if there's anyone else reading that. 
well, maybe we'll have to include something in this episode show notes to entice more people to read them. I mean, after all, you do such an amazing job writing them. Or maybe if you want people to enter our contest, we should just include them in the actual episode. But you know what? Since it's a contest, we should make it challenging and maybe talk in code. Sure. You first. And pick them. And pick them. Did you say Impicum, Impicum, as in the first letters of Mike, Papa, Quebec, Epsilon, Mike, Mike, Papa, Quebec, Epsilon, Mike? Right. And your turn. How would you respond? Uh, I think it would be Yi, Shuku, Vu, Jugtug? VJQU, VJGTG? Wait, as in the first letter of Yankee, Juliet, Quebec, Uniform? Followed by Victor Juliet Golf, Tango Golf. Right. How did I do? Well, let's let our listeners find out in the show notes. And on that note, thanks for listening, everyone. And please subscribe to our RSS feed and view show notes at pythonoutloud.com slash two. And follow us on Twitter, where we're at Python Out Loud. Ek guck. Ek guck yig. Ek guck chkemna. Don't you find my knock-knock jokes hilarious, Cal? We should put a disclaimer where, like, we, we apologize in advance. I mean, this is a random COVID. <laughs> <laughs>